Welcome to episode 629 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Team, welcome along to episode 629 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. Yourself? Bloody brilliant, mate. I, I, heard you, I heard you tried my driveway. So, I, did we talk about this on the show? I think we might have done. We've got the dilemma in a new house. Bevan's bought a lemon of a house. A falling le- down. Lemon of a driveway because we can't, our little hatchback doesn't go down the driveway because it's a steep driveway. So, the old Smarty Pets Newsom turns up. What do you do, John? I'm in my four wheel drive Subaru thinking, I'll show this driveway who's boss. <laughs> Reversed out that one pretty quick. Got the scrape on the way out as well. <laughs> so it's got, we're not going to buy a new car. No, we just bought a bloody big house, so we're not going to buy a new car. So we're not going to have to put our car in the driveway probably for another three years. You're going to need to get one of those big vehicles. That big vehicles they have over in Kona. Those big, big, really big ones that drive over the lava. I don't want that. That'll, that'll get you high enough. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's what I'm going to need. My garage, big gym. Do the, do the Molina trick. Oh, yeah. I'm talking proudly brought to you by... Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. His name is you, John Boo. Darren Double O Jones. Ian, it's one of my favourite ones of all time. White Lightning Hursley. And Richard, the Golden One Lonsdale. Good times, rock and roll. Okay, and this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a discussion of the week. We've got an age group of the week. It's a bit of a traditional show, John. John's history lesson... A little bit of a history lesson, more so, for, also for myself as well as everybody else. But that will be that will be revealed later on. Okay, my first try, winger of the week, and questions and answers at the end. John, the big big news is we've got the seventy point three World Championships coming up. It's still a couple of weeks away, but we haven't got much content this week, obviously. So we're we're panning. We are, but we're panning with with excitement because uh, this is going to be a very exciting race. Seventy point three World Champs are in South Africa. Uh, so I think what we're going to see over there is a massively reduced age group field in terms of the number of people that want to travel to South Africa. So talked so to us about that recently, didn't they? Or was it? Yep, it was. Um, a pro, wasn't it? No, it was Ryan Bolton. You know, it, totally different for them. You know, that he's an American coach, and they had you know worlds in America last year in Chattanooga, uh, and so of course they're going to have heaps and heaps of customers going to that. Um, Likewise, if it was in Europe, you'd have obviously... We can't you know, be credible about it, can we? Because oh, no. like, you've got to spread it around. You do, but I'm just saying we will see a significantly yeah. reduced number. Yeah. I would expect. Maybe I'm in wrong. In some ways, it's a pity, but then you do want it to be spreading around. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, but... And, and and we are also because of it's on in a different continent and it's you know it's reasonably close to Kona. They were seeing some athletes bypassing it that might normally do it. You know people like Sebastian Keenlay, a few more of the guys that are really specialising at, at, at for, for Kona. But that being said, it is pretty exciting. I mean the girls raced um, Daniela Reef. I mean who the hell is going to beat her? But the race for second is fascinating. Uh, so you know you got Annie Haug who has just been tearing. Up the run courses. Her expected run time is one eighteen twenty, uh, which is you know four to five minutes quicker than anybody else. Uh, so she, if she can be firing, she could really 
do some damage. How close she can get to Daniela Reef with another story. Hella Fredrickson's on the list. Um, we know that she's uh, uh, previously, well, no, still the fastest over a half distance race um, ever, and and, she, and recently won the world uh, ITU long distance champs. You got Mal Halshite, Lucy Charles, Heather Wirtle, Emma Pallant, um, Sarah True, who had such a great race in Frankfurt. So and Radka Carterfelt. So really, really exciting females field. Um, plenty of other names on the list um, that are you know, ranked a bit further down but uh, yeah that's that's solid and not trying to sound like a sexist pig though the guys race got... is it just because Danielle is so dominant yeah I think so you know if, if she yeah, wasn't if you there take her out of the puzzle mm. then you go what a race mm-hmm. but she is just a bit too good right now isn't she she is but on the male side uh, you've got Fredino versus Brownlee versus Gomez it does not get any better than that. The three of the greatest athletes of the current era, uh, all going head to head. So fascinated to Do see we, how they go. Like, like <clears throat> is Brownlee really going to be a contender? Like, I'm on his Twitter right now, and it's got. It's great to be back on the race course today after spending a few months wondering if I'd ever happen again. So, and that was in that was this week. So we can't expect him to be Pete, can we? No, we'll talk, I'll talk a little bit about that when we go through the ITU news in terms of the race that he did at the weekend. So he's still got a few weeks un, under his uh, to, to go, so I'd, I wouldn't expect him to be in the classic Alistair Brownlee shape, but I still expect him to be there or thereabouts. But if Ferdino and Gomez are, are on form, you would expect them to uh, to it's, go. It's, if anything, it's just it's a bit of a pity. Because mm. imagine if he was at peak, if all those three... Mano, Mano. Mm. You know, those are the peak guys, but there's still some other great athletes going to be there. But Ben Canute could really um, spice things up like he did last year. You know, he owned a can of whoop ass on that field uh, and very nearly, well, not very nearly won, but, you know, second place was an outstanding performance. Uh, and his, you know, he's not a crap runner. Um, in terms of ITU stuff, he's not stellar but uh you know he was he was he was really solid last year then you got other guys like Braden Curry who um is heading over you know he had a good battle with um Gomez uh, earlier this year you know really came down to the last couple of k's um obviously different stage of the season uh, you got Rudy Wild, Michael Raylard, Andreas Dreitz this is they're now getting a proper world champs field and it's uh it's exciting times now I've been distracted by Jalisa Brownlee's um Twitter page. They do. There's an ad on his Twitter page, and it's quite funny from Continental Tires. And basically, it's kind of about sharing the road, mm-hmm. and it leads towards sharing the road. But it's no brother, no one should be this close. And it's Johnny, Johnny, and Ali Brownlee, and they're, they're doing things where they're really close. Like one's doing a plank, one's reading a book, lying on his mm-hmm. back. But one of them's doing the, one of it is he's doing the old bum hop, the bum crack towel. Oh yeah, and then he passes his tail to Alistair and he wipes his face with it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. So um, I'm sure what you said was brilliant, but I was a little bit distracted by that. Well, the uh, I had a quick look before we came on air uh, to see what time of the day it is racing over there. So the females race on Saturday is at 7:30 a.m. local time. So for us Kiwis, it is prime time viewing on Saturday and Sunday night. 7:30 a.m. over there is going to be 5:30 p.m. Saturday, and I assume the males races the same time on Sunday. For you Americans, unfortunately, you are... Wait, for 70.3 World Champs? Yes. Do they do different days? Yes, they do. Oh, God. Where, where have you been? That. Living Ben? Yeah, uh, yeah. Bevan. I can't even remember your name. <laughs> <laughs> we both need to show up today. Uh, so for us Kiwis, uh, it's going to be good viewing time. For you guys over in Europe, um, you know, get up early for a Saturday, oh, Sunday morning train. Come on the big screen. 
Yeah, we'll see what Belinda says about that. Just bring her over, bring the family. Okay. Yeah, bring, we'll drop the big screen down. <laughs> Sunday the when is it? Sunday the... Well, Saturday and Sunday, we've got to decide if we want it. The males race to be Sunday. Males. There you go. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'll be here Saturday night. Okay. But Sunday night, 5.30. Yeah. We'll drop down the big screen. Okay. Wait a second. How do we get it? Oh, it'll just be live on the internet, won't it? Yeah, exactly. They're doing a good job with uh, with the live coverage. So big screen, mate. Big screen. For you European listeners over in the UK, uh, it'll be on at uh, 6.30 a.m., in the morning, London time. So I might even have an I am talk Christchurch party. Yeah, you better get that authorised first. Yeah, I really should, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to Christchurch, I bought that right now. <laughs> it may happen, but we might have an in the big screen room, bring chairs in, mm-hmm. and we'll have some, because we're all athletes, we'll have some butter yeah. <laughs> and coffee. There you go. Fat and coffee is what you live on. So um, we'll talk a bit more about the race and the contenders and the uh, the course, etc., as we get closer, because it is something that uh, we're going to talk a bit more about later in the show. We need to start highlighting these half-distance races a bit more, some of the really big races, because the discussion of the week this week when we get there shows that... Pretty poor. It's poor. We, uh, My knowledge of the greatest half-iron distance performances of all time is really weak um, and we'll maybe go into that later on so I do want to focus quite a bit on this race coming up also especially given the standard of the field. Half Ironman is a really interesting thing isn't it because in many ways it's probably the most popular version of the sport. And will be in the future I think. Yeah totally like when we think about participation numbers and number Mm. of events Mm. more people are doing halves than a whole. Absolutely. And probably more people are doing halves than Olympics. Yeah I would say so. Yeah so it's the most popular version of the sport but on the pro side, it just doesn't seem to get as much love. And I know we're a bit Ironman focused on the show. But well, it, it doesn't doesn't get any TV coverage. Um, and even like, you know, I know if you're a world champion, nowadays it gets a bit of prestige, but it ain't mm-hmm. Kona. No, it's not. But that's the thing. There's no 70.3s covered TV coverage as far as I can see, other than the world champs. And even a few years ago, they didn't do the world champs. So, so and, and if we think about it, if we go, what's most prestigious in, in triathlon? You go Olympic gold medal. Well, I'd put Kona on the same level as that. Would you? Probably. Yeah. I'd say Olympic before. It, I'd say Olympic gold medal. Then outside Kona. of the sport, Olympic gold. Inside the sport, I'd say Kona's as big as Olympic. But that's just uh, there or thereabouts. But I, yeah, I, I would argue because it's only once every four years. Mm. I'd say Olympics, mm. Kona. Mm. Then you'd say ITU World Champs, World Series. Yeah, World prob- Series. Yeah. What would you say? Seven point three. Seven point three after that. Yeah, but. There's just not a lot of coverage of it. There's so many races, uh, it just all becomes a bit of a blur. And so I think if we really highlight, again, a bit like what they do with the, you know, now the championship races and the, and the Ironman side of things, if there's more focus on the regional championships at the moment, they, they do draw a stronger field, but it does kind of just feel like another race. There's, there's not the media pump up. Them now. Yeah, so I just think, you know, maybe if we can hone in a bit more. It's on, it's on me, Bevan. I'm going to hone in a bit more on those regional championship races and we're just going to try to pump up these 70.3 half-iron distance races as well as like the Challenge Championship. Uh, we had a few other half results over the weekend. John, have you got those up? Um, I have in about 10 oh, seconds. I'll, I'll talk, uh, so Arnold sent through about the Ultraman 520 in Canada past weekend. Uh, another fantastic, here's what he wrote, another fantastically organised oiled race. Swim is a point-to-point around Shaka Lake, making it navigation interesting due to only two boys. That does make it very interesting. Day one bike course was the old Ironman Pendicton course, shortened at 150 flat. Uh, profile made it look easier than actually riding it with some long climbs and when oh, it was always windy. Day two, a solid 275k bike ride with a mix of highway, 
back roads, steep climbs, and a mind-crushing 60k out and back to finish on a good Kiwi-quality road. That is a bit mind-blowing after, you know, 210k. Mm. Day three is simply the most beautiful run I ever did. Think of Wanaka, but for 84k's. Uh, I swam at my level for a 246 um, swim. Uh, then, according to Steve King, broke the T1 bike record for the transition. Uh, 47 seconds. Solid. Not quite sure why you're doing that in an ultra. Yeah. But he did say, take that, Bevan, so maybe that's why. Every second counts. And then rode the fastest for day one, but taking back only a handful of seconds to eventual winner, David Matheson. Uh, day two started... Uh, I started hard as I tried to break Dave from the go, but he sat at the legal distance for the first 180Ks. That is frustrating. You're trying to break someone and they just sit the legal distance behind you mm. for 180Ks. Uh, then went for it. I had a bad patch until about 60Ks where I took some ground back. I rode the last 90 minute cases, last 90 minutes, really hard to the point where I apparently missed the beer standing on the side of the road. Second uh, on day two, 7.53 minutes on the bike and first fastest of the day. Day three went through the marathon in 3.30, but then once hit the gravel, I let Dave go as he was just at another level. At 60k mark, there was still a hill of 12k's and it crushed me. Finished second in day three, uh, two with 7.57. Again, a great event, deserves a shout out. And 2019's already sold out, so... The crazy and, and 2020 almost looks like it sold out as well now with an ultra distance race they normally only have about 35 or so on the start yeah. line maybe up to 50 um, so yeah we didn't have the results last week because they weren't up so Dave Matheson took it out in 21 hours 37 minutes really impressive uh, run on day 3 6 hours 55 on what sounds like a tough course and it sounds like he must have done a fairly even split whereas Arnold had a bit of a bit of a fade there but uh, yeah the old fella's taking it out Dave was 47 Arno looks like he might have aged up to 50 in uh, third place was Kiwi living in uh, Canada Tony Buckingham the young 38 year old was uh, about half an hour behind Arno uh, on the females side of racing Katie Welton took it out uh, in 26 hours and 57 minutes only 18 minutes ahead of Susie Serpico and in third place Ginny Sellers in 27.37 so fairly close racing on the female side of the race they had uh well, they have they had 30 finishes uh, of which 12 were females which I don't know, on the face of it, it seems like quite a few more than what we normally see in these ultra-distance races. Uh, so we also had Steelhead 70.3 happening as well. And what happened there, Jumbo? Uh, so Eric Lagerstrom took it out uh, over Andrew Starkowitz by three minutes, running him down. On the female, Sarah Haskins beat out Jackie Herring. And Challenge uh, Finland as well. Keenlay crushed it. Sounded like he was struggling but then found a bit of uh, inner demon now we'll say with Keenlay his biking does seem to have looks like it's returned to the the old Keenlay he's still managing to hold on to his uh, improved run but his bike looks like it's really getting back on track so it'll be interesting to see how he goes and kind of won that by four minutes over Pablo Dapina Gonzalez on the female side Sarah Lewis from GBR beat out Kelly Morris with Yvonne Valen Verken in third place Good times, rock and roll. John's asked you update, John, with the European Championships. I couldn't find the female 
race. What happened? Tell me about the days. Um, so European Champs is quite a big deal for the Euro athletes. They have uh, for the age groupers and for the obviously the elites. Um, and I think for a lot of countries, their funding is pegged a little bit to the European Champs. You know, World Champs and World Series is important, but so is the Euros. So you normally get a, a fairly good field. And yeah, Nicholas Spirig, who is making a return to racing, is uh, killing it. She had a fantastic effort in her first up go at a recent ITU race and now she's gone out and won in uh, in Glasgow really just catching up on the bike and then just dropping the hammer and uh, leaving Jessica Lemoth and Cassandra Bogrand who is the French young French girl who won in Hamburg and absolutely crushed everybody so yeah female side Nicholas Spirig first Jessica Lemoth second uh, don't think massively so. I still think Spirig would have uh, gone out, gone on to absolutely crush everybody. Um, now we did talk earlier. You were saying about Alistair Brownlee. Yeah. Um, he made a return to racing, and when my page refreshes, it will tell me that he finished in fourth place. Uh, so it sounded like he was quite aggressive on the bike. Uh, but faded a bit on the run. So Pierre Lacour took that out from Fernando Alaza and Martin Van Riel, Alistair Brownlee. I mean, he still ran a 32.47, so not the Alistair Brownlee of old, but sounded like he was pretty aggressive on the uh, swim and the bike. So, yeah, I'd give him a, a fighting chance if he can string together a few more consistent weeks for, for 70.3 wheels. Maybe not to win, but to, to be an influencer on the race. It's interesting when we think about Brownlee. You know, last week I talked about um, Danielle Arith, and we're probably seeing peak reef right now. You know, we really are probably seeing her at her best. There might be a little bit of a period of time, but at this moment, you know, we'll probably look back on this in 10 years from now and say this is where she was just so dominant. Now, we've probably seen peak Brownlee in, in the years gone past. I would say so, but like to you, you have. You have, but he—he's he, just been—he's he's been injured, um, and you know, often we write people off too quickly. Like a lot of people are going the same with Andrea Hewitt. You know, she's all washed up, and and she's definitely getting to the end of her career. But only a year ago, she was winning races, and last year, Brownlee was absolutely crushing people over the half distance, and it was it was only a year ago, and it sounds like he's been plagued with injuries, so. I wouldn't ride him off too quickly. Oh, no, uh, don't get me wrong. It's not I'm saying that his career's over. Mm. I'm just don't think we've we've seen the peak of him. We, you know, like at just, least in Olympic, we might see mm. some as, as his journey continues into half into full, <clears> hopefully into full. We might see a different kind of peak. But I, you mm. know, I definitely think we've seen peak Brownlee. But one thing, I'm really, I'd, I'd love to know, and we tried to get them on, but unfortunately we couldn't get them on. But um, I'd love to just know his inner dialogue right now because when you've been where he's been in the sport, and I know he's, I don't know the guy enough to really make judgments on him, but um, you know, you must, he must have just had so much confidence. Yeah. You know, and, and to be in a place where, and I know it's not necessarily through lack of character or anything like that, it's purely just he's been very unfortunate with his body. I'd still really be fascinated to see here about the inner dialogue that he's working through right now. Now, One thing I've always thought we should do, and maybe one day we will do this, is literally go to some of the top pros, the real contenders, and interview them three or four months before Kona and and Mm. say to them, look, we're not going to release this until you retire. Tell us what you're really going through. Because when you ask them before Mm. Kona, you're always getting, you know... Yeah, PC crap. Yeah, PC crap, really. Um, Or cocky. Yep. You know, I'd love to, you know, talk to like a Fredino right now and say, tell us what you're really going through. Or Brownlee right mm. now. Well, yeah, and, and we won't release this until you're retired. Because I just think he's a really, it's a really interesting moment in his career. Um, and I'd be really interested to see. Because when you've been that guy who's unbreakable. I think it'd be different if he was, wasn't injured and he was just fading. 
then it would be different. Mm. Whereas if he's probably going, I'm just bloody injured, I can't train properly, and so that's why I'm not performing. What would be really interesting if his career was just fading, not because of injury, just because of either motivation like Letting, or yeah, he stepped up. He, and he, he still really. he still had some injury issues, but yeah, he he. But he didn't really deliver at the next level, did he? No, what, long course at least. So interesting mm. times ahead. Jumbo Super League. Um, yeah, also Super League is coming up, but it's a, it's a qualifying race. So if you remember, um, Penticton is one of the qualifiers. They have another one in Do you Poland. How that works? Um, well, it's a certain number of athletes that win the, that series. So they're all up-and-coming athletes. So for, for New Zealand, we've got Taylor Reid I saw on the start list for Penticton. And he's doing really, really well in the, the mixed relay. Uh, yeah. He's managed to get Kiwis into contention in a couple boy, of races. Sorry? Is it the blonde boy? Yep, big yeah. tall fellow. Swims like a swims like a fish. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be these qualifying races, which is a great thing. So then there is actually a pathway to get into the series. I also saw um, a little bit of footage of Malta, which is going to be one of the rounds this year in Super League. Looks spectacular really? place. Just, you know, again, another one of these real rich Monaco type places with big boats everywhere and uh, yeah very impressive so just for the equalizer day one is a 15k bike ride day two is stage two 300 swim 2.5k run 300 swim 16k bike 2.5k run <laughs> that's gonna be fun day three is the enduro 750 swim 20k bike 5k run and do you do that twice cool stuff it is you love you know like you've always talked about back in the day i do love it i just got to see how this all fits into the big scheme of the whole season with the athletes in terms of athlete burnout when they're starting racing ITU series in sort of March, April time and then the, this is going to make the season you know, near on a 12 month season So you know one thing that happened to me over the last couple of days John I got an email from Ironman and they run the Queenstown race um, and just taking a bit of initiative here and I'm going to give them some praise so they they own the Queenstown Marathon mm-hmm. I won my age group last year and I got an email saying do I want to be an ambassador for the race for this year mm-hmm. and I imagine they just sent it out to the, all the age group winners didn't, they didn't go Bevan we're getting him back it up my social media profile I tell you no um and it is sponsored by some rea- some company but they offered me free entry singlet t-shirt some other gift pack as well um, to be an ambassador for the race. Now, I, I kind of said I'm not racing it, but good on them, I reckon. It's good, good stuff. Yeah, nice. So what an I man on that one. Uh, so coming up this weekend, we've got the last sort of qualifiers for the pros for, for Kona. So people, yeah, as I've said the previous weeks, you never know who's quite going to rock up, but we've got Ironman Sweden, uh, which is the female pro-only race. So you've got Karina Abraham, Sarah Svens from, um, from Sweden, and... Bunch of whole other pros that are good, um, but not necessarily Kona contenders. Kim Morrison, who we had on a few years ago, uh, the weapon bike rider, she's over there racing. So good luck to everybody racing in Ironman Sweden this weekend. So uh, next week we'll know who's Kona Kona. Yeah. Uh, we also, uh, on the corresponding side for the males, you've got Ironman at Copenhagen. And here, it's going to be interesting to see, Tim Don is listed to race. Uh, so Does he, need- he needs points. He, uh-huh. he just probably finished a couple of points shy of what he needed at uh, Hamburg, so he needs some points. Um, probably doesn't need to win it, but he needs to probably, you know, get a top five or so, I'd, I'd imagine. Uh, and Boris Stein, who I don't think he's actually on the cone list either, so he needs some points. So, yeah, so we've got a few other good guys there, Cyril Renault. Cam Worth looks like he's actually pulled out of one for a change. Cheap. Uh, so, good luck to them. And then, final race we've got is Ironman Mont Blanc. 
and I was a little bit surprised when I saw Lionel Sanders down to race. Yeah, that's bizarre. That's close to man. Well, you'd say that, but then he also, this time last year, in fact, I think it was even a week later, he did the ITU World Long Distance Champs, which isn't quite an iron distance race, but it's not far off. Uh, he did that, so, you know, you'd think if he completely empties the tank now, that you'd think that's going to take a bit but out of his cone. he's not going to. Who knows? Well, Sanders is an animal, let's not deny that. But He's expected to come in 14 minutes ahead of uh, Joe Gambles, but you've got some other good guys here. You've got Jeff Simons, um, you've got uh, Matt Russell, so I don't think he's going to, yeah, who knows what he's going to do. He may be going out there and absolutely spanking it. Uh, a couple of other guys to look out for, Cody Beals, who we had on the show a few uh, earlier this year, or might have been last year, talking about sort of the budgeting for uh, for pros and how you can do that and also look out for Andrew Yoda who's a former ITU guy uh, and could light it up on the bike. I'm really fascinated to watch next year with how the qualification process changes who we see at Kona. Like, you know, with the level of athlete we're going to see at Kona, do you think we're just going to end up seeing pretty much the same thing or will there be much variance in what we're seeing at Kona? Well, I don't know. I, I don't know about Kona, but it's going to be really interesting to see what happens at other races because in the past, you might be running along thinking, oh, I'm in third, I'm going to get some points, I'm going to yeah. get some prize money, but I'm not going to get a Kona slot. Um, I might just pack it in and just go do something next week. Oh, and so treat- you, you think there's going to be a lot of pros dropping out? Well, I don't know, but you've got to basically win or in some races finish second. For and, females, and you've got to... quality races, the second ones, aren't they? Yeah, for females, you've got to win, win, win a race... Finish second, yes, you get some prize money, but if your focus is on getting to Kona, it's like, well... well but then the other thing is, is, well, you're going to tip to races where guys have won races early in the season, mm. and then, okay, well, Lionel's won a race, but Bob hasn't, you know? Like, you mm. know, you're kind of you know, you're kind of doing this chess match in your head as you're racing a race, aren't you? Mm. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested. I don't... I've heard, heard a couple of other people, I don't think they've got it right in terms of if you win a race, you're you're in, and then you're second, you're nothing. I think uh, I can't remember who who said, but I think a combination of the two. If you win a race, you're in, but then a combination for the rest of the people, points based, then it's going to give you some motivation. Going, I'm in second, I'm 15 minutes behind, but I want to hold on to second because at least I'm going to get some points out of this. So don't think they've quite got it right. We'll, we'll find out next year, I suppose, because we're limited in slots. Yeah, you know, so. <laughs> Who, who was the person who suggested the idea that instead of you know the fifty fifty for Conan, which seems to have faded away recently, um, instead of him fifty fifty, just go thirty five thirty five? Who was that person? I've got absolutely no idea. If they went with that, how do you reckon they'd go down? I don't know. Evens it up. Mm. You know, it's a it's a fair. It, it was ah. Oh. I can't remember. Uh, anyway, few, uh, few other things we've also got some other random events. Yep, so Ember Man is on tomorrow. I talked a bit about that last week. Love that race. Can't wait to be over there, hopefully in 2020. Polska Man in Poland. You've got the Thor X try in uh, Norway. You've got the Explore try in uh, Finland. You've got the Coast Man in Norway. Uh, you've got the Ocean Lava also in Poland. Uh, you've got My Titanium. And you've got the Peasant Man. Uh, the Peasant Man. And I, I did ch- check out that one, and it's uh, <laughs> and I've just guys. If, if anybody does some of these much smaller races, where you know there might only be sort of thirty to fifty people doing the full, and they've probably got a half and all that. What's your experience? Send us through an email. Is what the experience is like, and if there are awesome races, um, let us know about them if we don't give them any love. Because uh, yeah, I'm interested. A, what they're like for the participants. I know I know what Challenge Monica's like, and that's you know it was sort of a hundred to hundred and fifty people doing the full. But um, what do you guys think when you go and do these really small? 
races what they're like. Do you do them as training days or do you actually go out there and race them what are they like? And if there's some really good full distance races out there, let us know about them if they're not a Challenge or ITU, uh, Ironman brand. John, Legends of Triathlon, I released, we were meant to do it last week. I've totally forgot about it. John sent me an email, what's happening? She yeah. opened up holes and I was like, fair enough. Well, yeah, I actually right. got a listener for James Slade. He said, um, have, I missed the, uh, have I missed the Legends one? Yeah, and so I we released said, Sheila, Sheila. I'll check that out for you. This morning, so I released her, so she's up and we've also had Bob recently. Remember Legends of Triathlon is our other show we do, which is all about just kind of getting the history of our sport in place. And if you haven't listened to it, like this is a cool show because we just do kind of weekly news, but... If you, if you love triathlon, to me, Legends of Triathlon is just homework you need to do. Oh, it's awesome. It, it really is. And it, we've really got pretty much all the, You know, that we haven't got Dave Scott. Have we not? No, we haven't done Dave I Scott. That's appalling. That, I thought I had that line. Just gone onto Facebook, Bevan, to, do, um, to yeah. get ready for our discussion of the week, which yeah. was amazing. And uh, one of our patrons we mentioned earlier, Darren Double O Jones, first thing that shows up on my Facebook feed is Darren Double O Jones running along looks like he's at the European Championships oh, good stuff, this, was a, this was a good day thumbs up smiley face oh, Double O Jones yeah um, so you want to go to Legends of Triathlon just legendsoftriathlon.com or look for it in your podcast feeds wherever they are John there's no course accuracy this week so let's do a sponsor Extreme Endurance you elected like Buffer did you know that I did know that, yeah. but it's also uh, a great place to get all your Omegas. And often with you know, sports nutrition companies, they make all these outlandish claims. So, um, But I thought, so they've got their Omega-3 product, which basically is your you know, your Omegas, your fatty acids, all that sort of stuff. And they've got the claims here in terms of promotes healthy response to exercise, induced inflammatory, helps keep immune system strong, loaded with EPAs and DHAs, is beneficial for optimal health, promotes healthy heart, brain and joint mobility. Um, and it's got vitamin D3, promotes absorption of calcium for bone strength and maintenance, gluten-free, soy-free, on GMO uh, and it costs you $29.50 for a pack of that so if you want to get on that remember the promo code IMTALK20 but also I just sort of plugged in uh, plugged in I wonder if there's you know there's a lot of science out there so I just plugged a couple of words in to, to find some science based stuff and there was actually a, a scientific paper you know a research paper done and that's where you've got to go to really back up claims that companies are often making yeah. uh, and really saying that the omega-3 PUFA and EPAs and DHAs are important throughout life and are a dietary necessity found predominantly in fish and fish oil supplements. The omega-3 fatty acids EPA and DHA are essential for proper fetal development and supplementation during pregnancy. It's also been linked to decreased immune responses in infants including decreased incidence of allergies in infants. Omega-3 fatty acid consumption has been associated with improved cardiovascular function in terms of anti-inflammatory properties PAD, reduced major coronary alerts and improved antiphilatal effects in the face of aspirin resistance or uh, clopo... <laughs> I don't know. There's another improvement. It's a big yeah, word I can't pronounce. It's a good one. Uh, so guys, get on there. Get your Omegas. Um, extremeendurance.com slash Omega uh, D3 and remember the promo code IMTALK20 and remember you can do the big order so you get all your extreme endurance products at the same time it'll shave you on your shipping costs as well and they have um, for you guys that aren't so Kiwis or Aussies I've, I just carry the um, immune and the standard extreme endurance 
for you guys in the european in europe and uk uh, you've got the european sites america canada etc you got com if you're elsewhere they have recently changed their shipping providers and when i get stuff shipped out to new zealand it's actually significantly cheaper now uh, so if you're in uae or elsewhere around the world and you've uh, struggled to get stuff before because of the shipping rates go give, go give it another look and get on it jumbo this week's discussion it was way it, it was weak at best but there are some great answers in here so this week's discussion was because reef is just absolutely we're seeing peak reef i'm this term i'm saying right now john we're seeing peak reef right now um and her performance last weekend was mind-blowing was it 30 minutes it was it was a lot it was yeah. more than 20 yeah more than 20 and a half so uh, we want to know what are the best 70.3 performances of all time on both the female and male sides and obviously John there's not that many because we only got six answers wasn't it yes so I'll go first John Richard Swan's got I was going to say me running 70.74 minutes at the brutally flat Lakehood Ironman half Ironman race course in 2005 I probably did that race mm-hmm. to run into third place we did that a few times didn't we course was short that was before gps's that's right however with the passage of time i suspect the run course may have been a little short yeah. so he's a good runner so he can, he he can probably pull off a, a 114 and a half no he couldn't um kef- <laughs> you just know no no stupid olds. no kefran Izzard, uh seeing gomez come off the bike at the 70.3 world champs in Montremblanc, absolutely ages back and in being in the lead before the end of the first lap he made it look easy and i think it was the week after the itu grand final in edmonton incredible to be on the sidelines for that one Volker Voigt has got I remember the, on my first race in Germany Lionel Sanders was on fire on the run 180 metre elevation with a big part of gravel through a park outrunning everybody with an insane 109 still only came second and that was the 90k bike with 1500 metres of elevation that's pretty impressive it was I remember him talking about that I think he got completely toweled on the bike um, because of his bike handling skills uh, and so you normally think he would ride up the field but I think the year he, he, he commented that the Euro athletes were so much better than he was on oh, of course because he was always indoors always indoors yeah. Um, but yeah that run that he did was amazing and Volker Voigt he's on fire he just saw the result from Challenge Turku this weekend which we mentioned earlier where Sebastian Keenlay uh, with a 3.38.09 that would be right up there in terms of one of the fastest of all time I'd imagine and a bike split time of 1 hour 55 can that be the fastest bike time ever and the fastest distance di- Half distance triathlon time. I don't think it's I'd say it'd be right up there. No, it's not fast half distance time because I think Raylut did like a, a three thirty six, didn't he? I'm not sure. It was three thirty something. Yeah. Maybe you should do it. It was it was a challenge Dubai. So maybe you you you'd, you'd look that up, Bevan. Um, where, where, where did we get that from last week? Challenge because we were talking about that last week. Yeah, we? challenge. Just put challenge Dubai. Michael Raylert and see what it comes up with. Peter Colson. It's hard to split between these two winners at the cone of seventy point three. There's a picture of Lance Armstrong there winning the kind of 70.3 and someone else who won an iron. I love it that you used my hashtag this week in, in Lance. Oh, God. Yeah, remember that? Remember when Lance was coming in? I was trying to do yeah. this week in Lance. And uh, the whole concept was he gets PR no matter what and was mm. a bit ridiculous. So that's what we went with it. Michael Kennedy, he's the last uh, one we've got here, was the Tim Reid versus Sebastian Keenlay 70.3 world yeah. champs. That was a solid head-to-head uh, on the run leg. I don't know if I'd call it the one of the greatest. Of, it was it was an amazing race to watch, but in terms of a dominating performance like we saw Reef do last weekend, um, yeah, different different sort of performance. He's also got well, Lionel Sanders versus Keenlay at the championship earlier this year, uh, so it was a challenge championship. 
and the men and women both probably had the strongest fields at least outside of the worlds at this year's 70.3 Asia Pacific Championships in Cebu, Philippines, he thought. So I think that goes to show that we've only got a couple of comments on there and a couple of them were piss takes that uh, I think all of us don't have that much knowledge when it comes to great 70.3 performances, which is a shame. And John, here we go, here we go. How about this? I, found, I think I found the results. Guess where I found them? Have a guess. Think, think, of, think of this show. Think of our show. I am tall. Yeah, yeah but that's our show. Yep, you did well so far. Good. Where do you think I found the results? Oh, this is a different race. Bugger. Spill out. Athlinks.com. 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 Nice. <laughs> but it's not the right year, so I'm not quite sure. Maybe I can find different years. No, they've only got that year. No, I can't find it, unfortunately. Um, it was definitely 330-something, so that performance by um, Keenlay at the weekend, 338, is right up there in I terms of I think you've got a good thing about what legendary races do we have, and I, I think the only one that we can really identify is the, the Reed and Keenlay. Um, on the male side, um, well, so I'll, I'll, I'll save my thoughts to my history lesson. Oh, then we can, okay. then we can well, go we through it there. We wait for the history lesson, people. Yes. We wait for the, the... But to me, it's like, <clears throat> when we think of the great Koners, <clears throat> when we think of legendary performances, it's either a, an amazing record, so you're going to go like <clears throat> Crowey mm-hmm. or Langer last year, mm-hmm. um, or a great race, which is like the Iron Moor or Maccabee, you know. Mm-hmm. And then Gills, you're going to go the, the crawl off. But that wasn't for the win. Yeah, but oh, some of Paul and you be Fraser's performances. Yeah, well, you amazing. go Chrissy. Hmm. Chrissy's amazing performance. Well, you got, I mean, just but not every year in Kona. But, Moss. Hmm. but then you got Natasha Badman, who had come back from these huge deficits um, after the swim and oh, uh, take, take it out there. I'm so, going to find out what her closest win was by. Yeah. Badman. Uh, well, she only passed um, Michaeli Jones. That was the year I did it, 205. Um, I think fairly late in the piece. Really? Mm. But Kelly won Kona, didn't she? She did. She got a first and a second. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Um, okay, so basically there's, <laughs> there's no great 7.3 races. Well, there are, but we don't know about them. It's a problem for this. Hit sport. me with some music, Bevan. Okay, hit me with your rhythm stick. Here's the music. We're back. There's no music. Why? Because we haven't done this week's discussion. So this week's discussion is what is the biggest threat to iron distance racing in terms of maintaining athletes in the sport? What do you mean by this, Jumbo? Well, to give you an example, uh, sort of one major threat that keeps coming up time and time again is uh, the ability to hold the swim leg of a race. Oh, okay. You know, like Hamburg got cancelled, the swim. Um I'm in UK, very nearly got cancelled in the swim because of an algae. Um, here in Christchurch, uh, you know, one of the venues I use is, you know, uh, starting to struggle in terms of the water quality. The lake gets closed um, sort of mid to late summer every year. And I know this theme is, is fairly similar elsewhere in the world. The water's getting dirty, the seawater's getting dirty, dirtier everywhere. So is that a major, major threat for people or what do you guys think? Okay. So, but this can be quite broad. John's given quite a good one answer there, but it can be quite broad. We need a Any threat to iron week. distance racing? What's that? Well, given the response last week, hopefully this opens a bit more of a can of worms. Yeah, you just need to say, what's your favourite colour? If we went, mm. what's your favourite colour? Mm. I would get 100 answers. Gosh. Maybe that should be ours next week. What's your favourite colour? <laughs> okay, here's the music. Hey, 
Image Group of the, of the Week. week. And John Berth, this is a good one sent through from Brett. Yeah. Chang. And it says, I, uh, this story I started to tell John and wrote, and he said, save it for Age Group of the Week. It's for, I'd like to nominate Valerie Gonendez. Gonzalez. Gonzalez. There's Age Grouper of the Week. Uh, Valerie didn't start triathlon until her mid-50s and did her first Ironman in 2003 at the age of 57 years old. Over the last 15 years, she has completed 24 iron distance races and has qualified for Kona an incredible 13 times. That's pretty bloody good. Solid effort. That's recently, most recently, she competed at Ironman Tallinn in Estonia on August the 4th at a time of 14.53.38, winning the 70 to 74 age group and qualifying once again for Kona, which is her 14th invitation to the Big Island. Her Kona results include a second and third podium place. Not only is she a tremendous triathlete, but she regularly wins races, running races in all distances in Victoria, Canada, a city known for its athletes and active community. What sets Valerie apart even more than a 24 Ironmans with only one career DNF is her tendency. Uh, tena- tenacious. Tenaciousness. Tenaciousness? I haven't actually got in front of me, but I'm guessing that's what it is. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Tenacity, probably. Tenacity, that's the word. Jesus, creepers, I was sharpen up. In 2014, Valerie raced uh, in the 65-69 to 69 division at Ironman Cairns. Uh, when she arrived in T2, she discovered that her This is where the story bag, gets good. Okay, her clothing bag included her running shoes and had somehow been misplaced. Not allowing a simple things like no shoes to stop her, she started wearing her marathon wearing only her socks. At the end of each lap, she would check to see if her shoes had arrived or not, which they never did. She ran through her socks uh, with her socks and completed a marathon barefoot. She won an age group that day and qualified in a marathon of 5.32 minutes. I think you have to agree, Valerie is a worthy of being an age group of the week. That's a pretty good effort. That's nuts. That's what got me, was running a bloody marathon, barefoot, and still finishing. Yeah, that's that not fun. That cra- is crazy, crazy stuff. Because you know what it's like when you're running bare feet? Well, not many people do that. No, but even like you just run down the road, <laughs> oh, yeah. and you've stones on your feet, and you're yeah. going to shorten up your stride, and you're, you're kind of on the top of your t- on the top of the front of your foot. Mental. Valerie, and the number of races she's done, didn't start till she's 57, done 24 iron distance races, Kona 13 times. I'd love to know her career before this, like was she much of an athlete before this? It sounds like she may have been, but you know, imagine the person who's maybe, I interviewed Steve Gurney for my podcast, for my podcast last week. Yeah. Uh, Well, I'm releasing it next week, but I interviewed him yesterday actually, but um, and he was saying he was a hopeless sporting kid and he was always the kid who got picked last at sport and stuff and you kind of think, Gurney, you know, for those who don't know him, he's basically one of the greatest multi-sport athletes of all time. Um, to go on to be a guy who's an absolute rock star at a sport, to not have been an athlete at all. Now, I'm not saying that is Valerie, but it'd be interesting to see her journey before this because that person who never saw themselves as an athlete, who really becomes an athlete, it's a pretty cool story. Well, Bevan, she's going on my list to try my Kona list. And we'll see Brent, wah, chance, see yeah. if you can pop us her details. I'm, I'm starting to develop a bit of a list for Kona um, because as Bevan said... Pre-race, it's getting harder and harder for us to get interviews with athletes, and you do. I, I do like having a sit down with athletes we don't know much about in terms of just hearing, learning about them. Yeah. But when it comes to interviewing, you know, people like um, Frodo, Frodo Keenley, what are they going to say? Oh, no, I'm in pretty shit shape at the moment. Yeah. Um, so I'm yeah. I want to make sure we do get some good age groupers as well as some of some of the pros we don't necessarily know too much about. So Valerie Gonzalez, you can ask you those questions when we're in Kona. Okay, good times. Now, roll and roll. 
She is well, our age group of the week. One other thing I was going to say is I thought, I wonder how many females there are in the 70 to 74 age group in Kona. Okay, wait, let me guess. I'm going to say 70 to 74. Yes. I'm going to say 16. Bloody hell. I was going to say one or two. Who's right? And we were somewhere in the middle. Oh. So last year in Kona, there was six finishes out of nine, well, eight or nine starters. One doesn't have any times listed. The others have got a, a swim and a bike. So Valerie last year finished in fourth place in 15.38. The winner went 13.42, Linda Ashmore from GBR. Uh, she did a dojo domination, winning by about 45 minutes. So solid. I did not think there would be that many. Good times. Good times. Around. I wonder if there's any 75... Plus, I'm just going to have a bit of a look here and see if there is any 75 pluses. Waiting, waiting. the females, because we normally get the 80 guys. You do normally get the 80s. There's normally one or two. None. Because I'm I'm sure around the world, there's more than 16 women above 70 doing an Ironman race. And you're pretty much going to guarantee they're going to qualify. Yeah, you get a slot at every race, yeah. As long as you finish. Mm-hmm. You know, we do know that females are a lot more sensible than males, so maybe they get to that stage are in they, life John? and go, "Are they?" Yeah, <laughs> I know some some females who aren't that sensible. I, I think it's not a sex thing, John. I just think it's people. Okay, there you go. Got right, it's time for a history lesson, Bevan. Okay, John, John's history, history lesson. Now, I'm going to admit that my knowledge of half iron distance races and the greatest of all time is pretty weak much like our entire audience based off this week's discussion. So I thought, we'll go back and have a bit of a look at who has won the ITU World Long Distance Champs and also, probably more importantly now, which a race that does have a lot more prestige and has been building, 70.3 World Champs. So the first um, few years of the 70.3 World Champs were held in Clearwater, Florida from 2006 to 2010. And look, it's noteworthy when you win a world title, and they did get a good feel to those races, but it was not, no, there, not not the same standard of what it was now. So in that sort of era, you had uh, Craig Alexander won the first ever, then Andy Potts, Terenzo Bozzoni, and Michael Raylert won in 09 and 010, and that was before it moved on. On the female side of things, you had Sam McGlone. Miranda Carfrey was still back racing this year. She got third in 2006 and won in 2007. Wow. She's been racing for a long time. John, just one question. As we get into this, was there an half Ironman World Championship? Well, this wasn't called a 70... No, no, this, oh, so this, was was a, this was the half Ironman World Champs. I don't know when they changed it across to 70.3, uh, but it wasn't back then. I'm, I'm we were doing a show, positive. I remember when they transitioned. And I was thinking time, it's pretty bit shit, but it's actually turned out to be quite good. It's well done, Ironman. Yeah, but I wonder... But it, you don't recall there being, other than when they brought this one out, earlier on there being like a World Championship for a half... No, not, not Ironman. Okay. Um, there was ITU, but not Ironman. Yep. Okay. So uh, 2008, Joanna Zeiger took it out, and 2009, Julie Dibbins, uh, and then Jodie Swallow in 2010. The thing about this is, John, is that as much as we can say the early years of the World Championship, you'd say the field wasn't as stellar. And it was also the course. It ended up being a bit of a draft yeah, fest and a did. running race. But the winners were the right guys. Mm, you know, like Alexander solid. was, you know, Andy mm-hmm. Potts. Mm-hmm. Bazzoni at that time was freakish in the half. Raylert was dominant in half mm. for a period. So, so it's that whole thing of, well, at least on the men's, the females, you'd say females, maybe not so much. Yeah, not so much. But, you know, but at that time, you'd argue that those men were arguably the best half Iron men athletes you would have seen in the sport at the time. Yep, you didn't have the depth of field though. No, well, no. But, it's, but but 
it did actually produce the best athlete. Very good athletes. Very good. I wouldn't say best, but very, very good. So then it started moving from uh, 2010 onwards, 2011 through to 2013. It was in uh, Henderson and Nevada. And in that period, we had uh, Melissa Rolston, who's now Melissa Halstein, take it out in 2011. Leander Cave, 2012. That was was her year. That was almost the best year one and done, although she had a long career. But Mm. that year, she wins that and then goes on to win Kona. Absolutely. And then see you later, Leander Cave. Yeah, uh, Mal Halshot also won in 2013, and on the male side during that sort of uh, period over there near Vegas, you had Craig Alexander and Keenley. take it out, and then Keenley taking it out two years in a row. And we've got to remember back then they had a, it was a, a you know it was a challenging course, but often challenging conditions, very very hot. Uh, and so Keenley, you know, he's won two titles as well as Kona. So he's, uh, How old do you think he is, John? I know it. How old do you think he is? Keenley? Mm, 32? No, 34. 34? Yeah. Mm. Uh, and then from there, we then, that's when the rotation started. So 2014, we had, uh, it was at Mont Tremblant, really good course. Daniela Reif started her reign there. And Javier Gomez also started his. Domin- I wouldn't say dominance, but uh, made his sort of debut crushing it at 70.3. Then they went to Zalemsee in Austria, where they had a great hill on the bike course. Uh, and you had Daniela Reef again take that one out. And Jan Fredino um, outran Javier Gomez and Sebastian Keenley. Uh, 2016 we went to Malulba and that's where we had the very close race between Tim Reid and Sebastian Keenley. Uh, On the female side we had a really crushing performance by Holly Lawrence who was uh, off the front and just killed it. And then finally last year, 2017, we saw Gomez destroy the run course after Ben Canute had uh, destroyed the bike course. Tim Don in a very creditable third place. Uh, and Daniela Reef crushed it in front of Emma Pallant and Laura Phillips. So it's a bit of a summary. And it just, to me, it's just gaining momentum in terms of uh, the attention we're starting to give it, the, the quality of the fields, the prize money's going up. There's the, there was until this year the motivation that you got good Kona points as well. So they were they're ticking all the boxes and they really seem to be trying hard to find courses that are not just good for the pros but also good for the age groupers. Yeah. You know, when they go to Malula Bar, the obvious choice and the normal choice they have with the race over there was just to run everybody up and down the motorway, which is what they normally do. Um, but they went out of their way to try to include some hills in the yeah, course. Um, and likewise with these, these other races, you know, they've had some really nice courses. So good work, Ironman, in terms of actually building this into a race that we uh, we look forward to. John, just a couple of things. Uh, so in Wikipedia, they've also got the Ironman history. So it's got... The first half Ironman branded racer was Ironman Half Ironman UK, which is only in 2001. Mm. So is when they actually brought out that brand. Mm. However, prior to the launch of the 7.3 series in 2005, racers were then known as Half Ironman before adopting the 70.3 label. So 2005 was when the transition happened. Uh, the oh, so it was half, when they started the World Champs. Yeah. I was wrong. The ha- oldest half iron distance race, though not under WCC umbrella, is Super Frog Triathlon, which began in 1979. That, that is now under their banner. Okay. Uh, the number of qualifications event within the 70.3 series has grown since its inception, growing to match the popularity of the sport and interest in the distance. Since the first year of Ironman 70.3 Championship race in 2006, the series has grown from 14 events to over 60 events in a span of seven years. The 2016 series saw 
89 events worldwide, the biggest year one increase, basically in, in between 2011 and 2012, it increased by 20 races in one year. Mm. So big expansion in this, this type of racing, isn't it? And I say thank God for Wikipedia. I make my donation every year when the call comes yeah, out. Do you do, do you? I do. Um, because How much do you donate? 20 oh, cents? No, I don't know. It's like 20 bucks or something yeah. like that. But it's... Um, Good resource. I, I, I say your... That comes from the show. Sorry? <laughs> your, your, your one comes from the show. Mate, I'm not actually sure on that. It comes from PayPal. Um, it's, you know, when I plug in details like fastest iron distance race of all time oh, yeah. or anything like that, or if even you go to the Ironman website... Um, you can't. There's no list like this in terms of who top three every year. You you probably can scavenge your way through and eventually find it. But this is a fantastic resource. Uh, and equally for the ITU worlds, so I'm not going to give them too much love um, because it just for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem to capture a big pro field. They have reasonable prize money most years um, so I do find it odd and the, but the distance is fantastic but it has chopped and changed but they look like they're trying to settle now on the 3 or 4k swim 120k bike 30k run which is a fantastic difference it's a much fairer distance it means the swimmers have got a bit more time in the water relative to the bike and the run um, so yeah I love that distance so hopefully they keep that up I don't know why they had 3k swim last year in Penticton as opposed to 4k but anyway they did so we've had some really good winners there but it doesn't have the same pedigree as the 70.3 world champs um, but it has been running since uh, 1994 when Isabel Mouton, I'd love to get her on the Legends show, uh, took it out. Why? Um, oh, she was just around for a long, long time and she did all distances. Can't remember what her best was in Kona, um, but she was she was solid. They had the first couple of years in Nice. It's been to Nice quite a few times, one, two, three, four, five, five times since 1994 um, because that was sort of the home of this distance. Rob Burrell, who we have had on Legends, took out the first race ahead of Lothar leader and Neves Courtier. Um, you've got some great names on the list, but again, doesn't have that depth of field. You had Luke Van Laird uh, take it out a couple of times, also with a couple of seconds. Lessing, Welch, Peter Sandvang won three years in a row. Uh, Cyril Naveau, uh, Torborn Sinbali, good old Nico Lanos took it out in 2003. Uh, a lot of French winners, Bertrand Biland, um, Cyril Vinot, Sylvain Sudry, Julian Loy. On the female side, we've had uh, Jenny Rose, good old Kiwi, take it out in 1995. They used to have that metal at the gym. Sorry? They used to have a medal. Did they? Up on the, on, this was a Hall of Fame back in yeah. the old days. I think they were one of Aaron, they had a couple of errands because of um, Maureen Baker as her sister, mm. but they had her Jenny Rose's medal. Nice. Gym. I'm not quite but, sure what happened to her. Hopefully they gave it back to her. <laughs> um, a lot, big variety of female winners. Bella Comfort's won it once before. Leander Cave won it in two, 2007. Chrissy won it once. Jodie Swallows won it. Caroline Stephens won it a couple of times. Uh, Mary Beth Alice won it in 2015. Jodie Swallow, 2016. So, uh, yeah, big variety there. But what it's going to take to really get a good field is just cranking up the money. What about a different time of year? No, I think uh, it, it does move a bit. So they had it a couple of weeks ago when it was in... Uh, in Denmark and last year it was in August so it was uh, like next weekend so I think timing wise is usually quite good yeah. but you, pr- I guess you sometimes probably have to choose between 70.3 worlds and this if you but if they threw a bunch of money at it I think they could do well John okay just a couple of random questions about this because this is what we're doing today so let's, let's dig into it um, who's the greatest 
Who would you say is based on the the world championships? Not, I'd say Michael Rayler would be right yeah, up there. Because he also won that championship race. He did. And that was a great field. Mm. That Dubai race. And he's a guy who hasn't specialised in other distances. Well, hasn't for whatever reason he has not got it over the iron distance race. It's fascinating, isn't it? Is but it? that's just plucking one out. Uh, and on the female side of things, I've got to go. Yeah, you've got it. Yeah, but he's just. Greatest ever, ever, yeah, but, ever. but still, yep. you've got to give it to him. Yep. You, know, you don't just take it away from him because. No, certainly not. But I'd say, yeah, if I just had to, if you said, you know, only pick one, I'd probably say Ray Lurk because outside of the world, he also did win a lot of other races. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure he does have the fastest time. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right. But that one by Keen Lay must, it must be pretty close. Yeah. So I'd say probably um, probably Michael Ray Lurk, And then on the female side. You say Reef, don't you? Yeah, you would. Yeah. Yeah. You really do. She's, she's won it three times. She's the only one who's done that. And the females, it's actually only her who's won it more than once. We're, we're, no girls won it other than Reef twice. Mm. So, yeah, she's very, very dominant at 7.3. And that's going to be the differentiating factor between comparing, her say, her career yeah. and Chrissy Wellington is she did it over more distances she and she had athlete. a much, much longer career as well. Well, but she's, how many corners she won for? Reef, yeah, I'm not quite sure. You have to look it up on Wikipedia. That'll okay. tell you quickly. Okay. I'm glad you donated. Because <laughs> um, so uh, uh, the fastest times of all time. Again, very hard to find this out. I oh, know she's only won three Konas. Three Konas. She's won three Konas and three seven point threes. Mm. Now I'm assuming there'll be four at the end of this year. You assume so. Uh, and Chrissy won four, didn't she? Mm. Yeah. Uh, females fastest times of all time. Hallie Fredrickson with Challenge Bahrain. Uh, Daniela, I believe, was probably. Um, Fairly recent. Also, Chrissy had a very... I couldn't find a really fast time. She had a 4.07, I think it was, at Eagle Man or Steel, Steelhead or something like that. Um, so those were the fastest times. And, and as Bevan said, I think the fastest by the males has ever been Michael Raylert. Um, I would say the performance by Alistair Brownlee in Utah last year, I think... It, I th- I'm not sure if it was his debut... I think it was his debut, seventy point three. Was it but, St. George's? Was it? Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but I think he'd done a challenge race before that. But the way he attacked that and just killed everybody on the bike, and then just you know hung tough on the run. That was a quality field, and uh, for somebody who hasn't raced that distance, it was. That's bizarre. Dominating. They, must, they must have unfortunately the results. Because Sanders actually took two minutes on the run. Yeah, so he may have been blowing, but he may also have been just conserving because he just laid the smack down on the bike. But as you said, you know, I, I spent a bit of time yesterday trying to find greatest performances of all time and the, nothing was jumping out at me. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's a bit of a bummer, really, because ultimately mm. this is the biggest version of our sport, mm. you know, and, and in many ways, and, and to be honest, like I know this is an Ironman show, it's a much healthier version of our sport for, mm. for Joe Public. Yep. You know, a half Ironman, it's almost like a half marathon for most people. Marathon's a big life commitment. Half marathon is a really great distance for your average Joe to get into some running. <laughs> if you're a triathlete and you want to go a little bit longer, half I mean, such a great distance. Mm, really, and is. you can still go fast. Mm, you can, you, you know? can still race it, and, and you can race a lot. Mm. Look, you can probably do six races a year. Mm. You know, whereas I mean, the average Joe ain't going to do that. So we're doing our bit here, John, aren't we? We are. You know, that's why, like Wikipedia, you should donate to the show. Yeah. <laughs> okay, John, my first try, uh, Martin White. No, nah, Martin White. It's not quite his first try, but it's kind of along those lines. His first iron distance race. So he says, hi, John. Two years ago, Martin's a patron of the show, so thank you very much, Martin. Two years ago, I wrote uh, to you, I wrote you the profile for my patron page. Uh, in that email, I described how I had used your show to help me get through the dark times dealing with his daughter 
daughter's cancer and her death. How we set up a PhD scholarship program to help find a cure for for the rare cancer that took her life. And I told you how he was in year seven of the John Newsom three-year plan when he completed his first 70.3. At the end of June this year, I took the next step and completed Ironman France slowly and fulfilled a dream that has taken nine years to reach. Nine years to follow the three-year plan must have must be a kind of record. Uh, I know the race is on your list, so let's, let me describe my day and you could use it as a perfect example of your listeners. And I agree, Martin, Ironman France is one of the races that's on my hit list. Uh, he said, if you ever want to see real stress, pop down to the local try shop the day before an Ironman. In Nice, there were um, 10 or so blokes, all men oddly, looking pretty fraught, staring at their bikes like someone had just stole, shot their dog. For me, it was my rear wheel. The tyre would not inflate. I changed the tubeless a few months ago and put the latex gunk inside so I would not have any problems with punctures. Unfortunately the membrane inside the rim on the wheel had come away and the air was rushing out. I had to revert to tubes and so my issues were solved quickly. Others were not so lucky. One guy looked um, out of the race as the shop assistant had too much work um, too much work to do alone and couldn't guarantee getting the problem fixed before transition closed. Uh, he walked off um, disconsolate only to return a few minutes later with his hotel manager expecting his um, work to get done more quickly. One lad had his derailleur bent on a plane. Note there, always remember to have a spare derailleur hanger. So that is the part that holds your rear derailleur, which is, for those of you who don't know, that's what changes your gears at the back of your bike. There's a little part there that holds that onto your bike. Mm. It's easy enough to get a, a, another derailleur hanger in terms of, you know, Shimano, Campag, most bike shops will have that, but that hanger is usually specific to your bike. So make sure when you buy a bike, you've got one and keep it in your bike bag because those things can get bent. And I'm speaking from experience. Um, so this guy had his derailleur bent on the plane. It couldn't be fixed. Imagine the anguish. Um, I thought the swim would be fine. In the event, on the calmest of seas, I got seasick and brought my breakfast back into my mouth. Yuck. Uh, I forgot to put my goggles on and had them um, perched in my head as I entered the sea, and my wetsuit rubbed my neck so badly it left an agonising sore about the size of a 50p pence, uh, piece after no more than 500 metres. It was exposed to the sun thereafter. The bike though was amazing. It is a beautiful course and the locals really get behind it. At my pace and time, I had the race, uh, my time in the race, it got pretty lonely out there but the camaraderie amongst the competitors was truly inspiring. I had no sunscreen and it was baking so a local volunteer ran to her car to get me some of her own cream. She saved me, I'm sure. Another volunteer gave me her baguette when I was totally sick of bars and gels. The run is up and down, up and down the Promenade des Anglais, but easy uh, to plan for. I teamed up with an American dude doing his 16th Ironman and moving towards Kona on the Legacy Pro program. Uh, he hung back at the finishing shoot at the end so I could experience the crowd for myself. Oh, nice fella. I owe him a lot. Sometimes you need kindness to get you over the line. Rest assured that the medical tent was excellent, something I experienced firsthand when I went um, 
a bit doolally about half an hour after I'd finished and had to be carried there by two big medics whilst I babbled incoherently in faux French accent. When I came to, a drip was coming from my arm and had a fun dressing uh, that appeared on my neck wound. I got back to my apartment around midnight just in time to pack my bike up in its box and get to the airport by 7am to catch my flight back from London. That's another point I'd say people, if you're doing a long distance race, stay the extra night so you don't have to stress the next morning to uh, A to pack up. If and, you can, eh? Oh God, yeah. You know, and also if you can absorb, just take a moment, you know? Yeah. I think we can agree that I got a bit of everything from my first experience of a full distance triathlon, but most of all, uh, I got a great story to tell and I can't wait to have another go. Hopefully it won't take another nine years so nice work Martin Waite and I, I looked up the email that he had previously sent me and he said he started listening back way back in 2009 uh, and he was set to do his first Ironman when he turned 40 which was in two, 2012 um, however his, he had the, the challenges with his daughter who eventually did pass pass away and he had a few website links here um, teaminspiration.org uh, alanrose.co.uk and ewings-sarcoma.org.uk uh, so yeah man obviously you've been through a tough time but fantastic work on getting through your first iron distance race good times well done mate it's pretty awesome stuff um jumbo let's just do a quick little winger of the week and we're going to choose i'm going to say let's choose can i choose well we can yeah, we? We, we, we can do a couple of different parameters give me my parameters give me my parameters use them so um give me a second bevan give me a do you know what john in my my lounge that little white house over there is my friend's house. If I go to telescope, I could inspire my friend. Is that wrong? No. <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, I, I should do it. Yeah. I don't know what bedroom it is, but they've got big windows here. So we can do swim time, run time, bike time, or total time. I want to see swim time. Swim time. Swim time. Who's the nutter swimmer out there? Who's the fish? Pete. The Meg. Pete Price took out the swim with six hours and 31 minutes of swimming in front of Paul from Rog Morton in 4 hours 34 and then in front of Joe Skipper with 4 hours 24. Oh really? There you go. There we go. Good times. I'll see if I can find the first female was Tony Hodge with 3 hours and 57 minutes. Nice. 9 minutes in front of Brett Tingay. Good time. Oh, Brett Tingay. Yeah. Nice times. Good times. Okay. Uh, questions. Good. Some answers. And answers. Okay John. First one here is not sure if you saw this but good old coachcox.co.nz UK sorry. Uh, he just had the age group results and colonel qualification for Ironman Canada. Coachcox does dot you sorry. Coachcox.co.uk is a great website if you like love analysis. I get so many people asking me questions of trying to figure out where the easiest place to qualify this is etc. And if you want to try to, fig- try to figure that out um Go to coachcox.co.uk. He's got Kona qualifications. He's got Ironman stats for all the different races, percentage-wise. But what I liked about this one, and this is where there was some confusion, good old uh, James Red Rocket uh, Thomas, he sent through an email thinking that Ironman Canada this year had the highest percentage dropout um, of all time in terms of an iron distance race. Um, wasn't quite correct, but he was there in the, certainly in the right ballpark. So this year at Ironman Canada, they Wait, had... can I guess? Yeah. Was it Malaysia? No, I think, this is a think, as Felicity would say, this is a think, uh, Lake Tahoe, oh, really? one year, when it was freezing cold as well. I remember well. that one Chris McDonald did, 
and he was winning the race mm. and he's walking trying to hide around corners so no one could see, the guys behind him couldn't see him mm. because it was that hot so I don't have those stats in front of me but this year in Canada they're after the swim uh, so the swim did not start or did not finish was only 1% uh, and then bike did not finish was 7.3 compared to 2015 which I think was the year when it was really cold that was at 10.4% of people pulled out after the bike or during the bike uh, and this year 20.8% Overall, did not start or did not finish compared to 2015, which was 22.8 percent. Well, so there you go. There but you he's go. got all the sorts of stats. Seriously, like this. if you love geeky stuff, him and well, Thorsten's obviously the geek, but Russell is up there as well, mm. and he really does do great work on analysis. You know, if you read really so, so things, data. things like um, the percentage. You know, the last qualifying who who got the last qualifying spot in your age group at a particular race and the percentage time they were behind the winner and so that's quite a good marker for uh, for a lot of people and there's some interesting stuff in there so if you want to want to check it out it might veer you towards perhaps a path that you might not have thought would be the best way to try to get to Kona in terms of easy technically easier places to qualify John mm. we've got another one here who's this from it's an idea for this a- is from me oh okay I, don't, I was going to discuss this. I don't know if this is an absolutely stupid idea. it's a terrible idea. Do you? Okay, we won't do it. Forget it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell you. Basically, John was going, instead of kind of doing a prize press every year, how about we give our lowest ranked Kona debut pro... Uh, let's just back it up. So we've got to explain it. So, if, so every second year, um, but all the, the money from the patrons goes to pay for somebody to go to Kona. So this year, we've got Mike Schwizzle Pizzle coming over with us staying in the in the pad uh, this is all expenses trip so you get your oh, fair cover awesome you, Mike yep you get accommodation and we'll be eating out and stuff as well but I was thinking and this is a, more of a question for the patrons is inst- how much of a draw is that for people to signing up to be a patron and how important is is it to you guys with the alternative being saying we'll ditch that so we don't take someone to Kona every second year and, and instead we give some money to the lowest ranked pro athlete who's on their Kona debut to try to help those struggling pros who are turning up there for the first time. Chances are they're not going to win any money um, and so we're supporting the pro pros. So it was just an idea. Bevan's yeah. poo-pooed it. I because I want to give our love to our patrons. Okay. You know, fine. like really only one person gets the love but I like that. I think, you know, they're supporting us this way. Give it back. Okay. Yeah. Uh, speaking of patrons, we've got a new patron, John. Well, this is an interesting one, Bevan, because last week we had Iron Man Maastricht in the Netherlands, yep. and I and, and I was coming to oh third place a Kiwi, Sonia Bracegirdle. You actually got the pronunciation right. I was uh, and I was going never heard of her before, Bevan. Well, it turns out her husband. So she's that become patron. No, ne- next next day, next day or so. You patron of the show. Love your work. My husband's name is now. I think is it Walter. No, she's got Walter. Walter. Walter, uh, here's a short bio of the tour. So we're giving two nicknames. Are we doing it? What are we doing? I a think, family nickname. Sorry, a family nickname. Well, yeah, they can use it both. Both of them. Yeah. So Sonia Bracegirdle finished third place on debut at an Iron Distance race uh, at, at Iron Man, um, and she's the first Iron Distance race. Finished third pro overall. That's Very impressive. Walter and Sonia divide their time between uh, uh, being in the Netherlands, the UK, and New Zealand. Walter is a freelance management consultant and recently completed his first iron distance race at Challenge Road in 2018. Oh, we could have even seen them there. We may well have done. Our worlds are combining. Uh, Sonia's a first-year professional triathlete. It's uh, www.sonia.kiwi or Instagram at sonia.kiwi. And also works in business development for a biotech startup. 
geez, these people sound pretty sharp, John. I tell you, pretty yeah. sharp. Thank you. And thanks for putting so much work into the show. It makes the turbo treadmill sessions so much more bearable. My parents live in Christchurch, so I put down their address for a swim cap, and we're down yes. there at some part in the summer, perhaps longer, depending on work. So, nice but, work. What's have, you got any, have you got any ideas for, for, the, for the brace girdles? I assume Walter's surname might be brace girdle as well. Do we assume they're married? Uh, she said my partner well, No she said my husband's name oh, so no, I'll take married. that as a pretty strong assumption That they're married <laughs> it, does be, it is a bit of a giveaway <laughs> It's a bit of a giveaway <laughs> um, 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 I'm looking at Can you say the bit. noose? The what? The noose Why? Because the brace The brace <laughs> Okay What yeah. are you thinking? I was just looking at the digger outside And I was thinking The, the, the diggers I don't know The digger? <laughs> The nose. What's two things that go really well together? Like peanut butter and jelly. Well, have, you, have you ever had peanut butter and jelly? Well, it's jam. Yeah, no. The Americans call it jelly, but it's yeah. jam. Have you yeah. had peanut butter and yeah, strawberry jam? Right. Yeah. That's one of God's best things ever. Okay. Do you, do you not love peanut butter and jelly on toast? No. Have you I tried don't mind. it? I have tried it, yeah. Oh, gee, too, much sugar, mid- too much sugar, Bevan, for when me. When I had a different lifestyle, that yeah. was what I lived on. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you. Uh, what's two things that go really well together? John and Bevan. <laughs> you can't be your nickname, Sonia. Sonia and, and Walter, John and Bevan. <laughs> two things that go really two well. Two things that come on, John. This is good pie We can do this. Fish and chips. <laughs> <laughs> Fish and chips. They do go really well together. Um, the glue. There we go. The glue. Okay. The glue. They stick the glue, together. The glues. Yeah. Just the glue. The glue. The glue. Sonia and Walter, the glue brace well, race girdle. Okay. Because they stick together and they, they stick at it. She did stick at it. First bloody iron distance race. That is impressive. But you can't go fish and chips or peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> or the digger or, or the noose. <laughs> but for the time being, we'll, we'll stick with the glue. Oh, there we go. Guys, if you want to become a patron on the show, go www.iontalk.me on our website. You've got the community section, and on there, you just go to the Patreon. That way, you can determine which level of patron you want to be. And for those who are patrons, it really does help us a lot in doing what we're doing. So, thank you to everyone who is and everyone else. Sharpen up and get on it. Sponsors, John Extreme Endurance. You're right there. Right. I just an email popped through. That I was like, "What the hell is that?" Oh, um, you're like that, brother. And our patrons. Okay, and you know who you are. You rock. You're a legend. Look at you, just look at yourself in the mirror right now. And just go legend. Legend. If you're not in front of the mirror, when next time in the mirror, just point at yourself and just go. Or if you're walking down the street, just check out that uh, yeah, the, the window, the reflection in the window. Just go. Just go legend. 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 Just say it out loud now. Just with lots yeah. of people around. Go Every, and just yell right now. I am yeah. a legend. <laughs> And if you can put on your phone and send it to us, yeah. that's even more legendary. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you want to email us, go to dub, dub, oh, sorry, iontalkpodcast.gmail.com. And if you want to get the show emailed to you, it's on the website. John, mm. your goss. Um, I was, we went skiing for the weekend. Fantastic. Oh, it up. It's good time to go. How's the knees? Knees are fine. It's good. The kids are getting their age. How many ski days did you go? Three. Three. Two days at uh, Round Hill, which is near Tekapo, and then one day at Mount Dobson. Why, why was, the change? Oh, I was on the way home, and I just wanted to have a different ski field. I haven't been to Mount Dobbs since I was since I was probably about fifteen years old. So How's the body after three days of skiing. Sorry, how's the body? Well, I'm skiing with the kids, so it's not too bad. Oh, not okay. too bad. Did Didn't you go just leap rope a couple of times yourself. Yeah, but I wasn't. It's, they're, they're pretty gentle fields, and you know, I wasn't going too extreme. 
So it's good times. Kids are getting to an age where you can do stuff with them. So you ski, you know, I skied with Tom, you know, for, for a good few hours each day. So it was, uh, it was good times. Nice. So that was nice. But I did have, I did, and I didn't really do any training down there. But I thought, I got home from the from skiing oh, Saturday because some good runs down there now. Well, I just thought I'll just go out for a little half hour run just uh, on Saturday, and uh, actually felt okay. Thought I've done a whole day of skiing, and I feel okay. That later that night got a little tickle in the throat, and I had also been thinking during that day. I never get, I really don't get I sick. I really get don't sick. get sick very often oh, at I'm all. I'm so healthy. I'm so healthy. Hardly ever get sick. Got a little tickle in the throat. Still got a tickle. It's not. Full blown, oh. but it's just frustrating, Bevan. Oh. Frustrating, especially when I got a race this weekend. I had a few key You've sessions. You've got a race this weekend, haven't you? It is. So looking forward to that. Hopefully, I'll be nice and healthy. And so that was a yeah, good few days skiing. What's Bevan? the highlight? What's the What's the three memories you have from that whole weekend? Um, Five years from now, when you think back on that weekend, what are the memories you'll have? Well, I was kind of hoping to see Tom really bomb out somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't didn't see that. It's disappointing. Oh, three, three highlights would be three days of consecutive amazing weather. The odds of getting that when you go skiing is very slim. Yeah. So three bumper days, hardly a cloud in the sky. Round hill from Tikibo, how far in the car? 40 minutes. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. To the ski field. The cool thing with the ski field, tiny field, hardly anybody there. Um, you can back your car up onto the snow, so you literally can ski to your car if you get up there early enough, and uh, and just sit down, have a break when you want to, have lunch out of the boot of your car. Fantastic. So it's not the best field. Kids field there is in New Zealand. Is it really? Mm. What so it's good times. Too, too many wines because we did mention you might be drinking too much. Uh, didn't go too crazy. Didn't go too crazy. Kept things in check. We Had the old fair. If you're coming through the South Island, famous pie shop. In oh, Fairly. Fairly Bakery. Wait a second. What did you get? I got. I didn't actually get it from the bakery because it was a queue out the door. This is just a bloody bakery pie shop. And, they, and the thing about it, John, is they expanded the bakery about eighteen months ago. Mm. So they doubled the size of it, and it's still queue out the door. Amazing pies. So it was queue out the door. I thought I'm not waiting for that. You go down to the BP station on the corner, the petrol station, they sell the pie, same pies there oh, at a cheaper price, apparently. Oh, that's a good trick of the trade. <laughs> so I got the uh, pork belly. Oh, John, that's the best pie in the world. Had the crackling on top and everything. Oh, jeepers, that's a good pie. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Because it is. I'm going to describe it It's not it to cheap you guys. shit, you know, you're, you're biting into it going, this is quality. So what they've quality, done quality is good, good pork. And, and it's a lot of pork in there a as well. A lot of pork. A lot of pork, apple sauce yeah. in the pie, and yeah. it's good crispy pie. And then they, and John said pork belly. It's like, what did you say about that by that? Yeah, that's great podcasting. It's yep. exactly so that by that. So what did you say, maybe four centimetres by four centimetres? Yeah, how you measure things. Maybe five <laughs> centimetres. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. I'm going to say five centimetres. Two inches. Two inches on top, within the top of the pie. So you're eating this beautiful, and I put a bit of pepper, uh, pepper, pepper yeah, in there. Plenty of peppercorns yeah, in there. A bit of peppercorn in there. And you're eating a beautiful, and then you crunch through the crackling because you've already got the crispy pie. Oh. Everyone I know times. knows I love that because whoever I know goes there like porno, mm. will always send me a text that where I am, <laughs> you know? And even my mate Jeff and Kate, they'll send me a text. Yeah. Fairly bakery, guys. It's, it's an institution in New Zealand. And it's a good stopping point as well. Good time for and It's break. perfect from Tikibo, isn't it? Mm. Oh, it's better going there. The other way. Yeah, I well, my combination is the pork belly pie mm. and the little cheesecake. Mm. Oh, John, piggy, piggy. Yeah. <laughs> you do eat it. You What's happening I'm, in your world, Bevan? I was in Wellington. Wellington. So you know, how last weekend I crept onto Eden a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to crap on Wellington. Wellington's mm. a cool city. Wellington's cool for a couple of days. 
Oh, really? Three days? Yeah. <laughs> three You're days. out of there. A couple of days and I'm out of there. Two days. Good enough. Three days. Yeah. I spent three days there, John. And you know what yeah. I did on the third day? I got out of here. Yeah, <laughs> good. There you go. Why, why, why only two days? Just, I mean, no, weather's not amazing down here, but it is this bloody at the moment. Yeah. Uh, probably, probably the weather. The weather. Windy. Windy. Windy Wellington. Yeah. Sorry, Wellingtonians. Nice place for, for three days. <laughs> It was two days. <laughs> it's gone up to three. Oh, you've been jealous. Very convenient, though. If you ever go to Wellington, you know, just get in there, catch the bus in town. It's like bugger all the time. Because I was staying in the hut. Ah. Oh. So I had to catch a, the Uber. Ah. Oh. And the Uber cost me for the day to get back like 70 bucks. Ah. Oh. Yeah. But because I, I basically, I, I went there on Thursday. I did a talk for their business something. So for just for people outside New Zealand, Wellington is our capital city. Yes, and it's, uh, it's at the bottom of the North Island. And uh, Swanee Noah lives there. Mm-hmm. Mountain Snow. Mm-hmm. T Rex. Mm-hmm. Got lots of listeners there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I had a business talk. I had a business talk. Mm-hmm. It was good. They went down well. I like talking to business people. Nice. Because you kind of just say, I'm going to tell you about your business. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I had Friday off. So I thought I'll go spend a day in town in Wellington. And mm-hmm. Wellington's a cool city. So we, I actually met up with a friend for breakfast. Then they had this. Awesome calf. What do you think? Oh, I haven't got my phone. I highly recommend this calf, but I can't remember the name of it. I went to one called Fidel's. That was good. Was it? Mm-hmm. I can't remember this. It was a beautiful calf. Great service. Beautiful food. And it was just pumping with people. Big calf. Mm-hmm. So I went there. Then after that, when it's saw Mission Impossible. Risky want, move. You, why is that? Well, Joe wanted to see it too. Yeah, I know, but I asked her. Yeah. She's a loving wife. Yeah. She, she stood by her man. Yeah. John, highly recommend it. Yeah. Great film. And then after that, I went to the War Museum. Have you been to that? No. Oh, you need to go because they're closing it down at the end of this year. Okay. So you've, at Te Papa right now, they've got the the big one. You've been to that one, haven't you? Yep. Yeah. So then they've got the War Museum. And the War Museum kind of has two parts. You've got this bit where you go through and they kind of show you the history of World War One, and they show you some of the machinery and stuff. And we did a tour. The tour was quite funny because the guy, <laughs> the guy who did the tour <laughs> really needed you to know that he's a tour guide, not a historian. Right. <laughs> he kept on going... Okay, his first thing was, hi, I'm, I'm Jeff. And he was a bit awkward. You could tell he didn't really like his job. Yeah. And uh, this is Jeff, I'm Jeff. And just one thing, I'm a tour guide, not a historian. <laughs> so whenever you ask him the question, I'm a tour guide, not a historian. <laughs> and then you kind of thought to yourself, you probably get 20 questions that you get asked, you know, the, the three times a day you do this. Mm. Maybe do some research and just get the answer to the questions. Because one of the questions was like, I don't know. How many people died there? I'm a tour guide, <laughs> historian, and so he was a little. He was, I found him very entertaining. You know, when you get someone who's just I think Jeff's going to be replaced by technology he, soon. I, I think pretty quickly because also he was. It was almost like he was a Formula One tour guide because he was in a rush to get through our tour. Oh, nice. You know, like he'd, he'd come in, he'd, he'd say his spill. These people died here. We'd walk forward, and then go, go, excuse me, what about this? I'm a tour guide, not a historian. <laughs> and so he kind of kept going forward. But he did give us some insight. But then what they'd have is, the second part of the tour is you go in, they've done this kind of mock trenches. Yes. So you go through these trenches that are all, what are you doing? You're not <laughs> I am. He's just I can wonder how I can understand how Jeff got distracted. Oh, it wasn't me asking the questions. I'm a tour guide, not a historian. Uh, but then we went into the trenches and they do this thing where it's almost like holograms are talking you through the trenches. And it was right. actually pretty cool. Nice. Makes you realise, John, World War I's a really fascinating war. And if guys, if you love history, 
highly recommend you listen to the Hardcore History Podcast. Mm-hmm. Most people probably would. It's a very popular podcast. Um, Dan Carlin. But one thing I remember he talk, him talking about World War One. And World War One was the first war where technology really came along. And mm-hmm. he talked about if you saw the soldiers at the beginning of World War One, they looked like the, the soldiers from Napoleon or from the Civil War. You know, they had mm-hmm. bayonets and all this crap. By the end of the war, the technology just shifted massively. And so, um, and just seeing the transition of that, but also the Gallipoli bit, mm-hmm. man, jeepers creepers, just. We're fortunate, at least we live in a part of the world where that stuff doesn't happen, mm. and we live in the time we live in because these are young men, man, and just war is horrific. So if you're in Wellington and you're spending two three, days in Wellington, three, <laughs> I highly recommend you do that. What are you looking at? Oh, not much. The company's office. The company's what's that? I don't know. What are they saying? Have you told us what you think about the something or other? No. Mm. Yeah. Did you watch? Um, did you watch the the golf? Tiger Woods just back coming back. I did watch a little bit of that. It's amazing how much power he has for that I sport. Know. I told you I read his book recently, didn't I? No. They're saying, oh, I read his book. It's pretty fascinating. Mm. Um, his father. This is how obsessed his father was. His father would take him into the garage when he's six weeks old. His father mm. would do shots, and when his father did a good shot, his mother would feed him. <laughs> like that's how crazy it was yeah. you know like unbelievable um, but they were saying on the news last night that when he looked like he could win the TV ratings went up 50% instantly mm. that's how much he, how, how important he is for that sport mm. pretty fascinating stuff do you watch the chase? occasionally do you like the chase? yeah God, we're getting a really grasping at straws here no this is great yeah. the chase Why tell people about the chase it's a game show, British game show. It's the best game show around. Yeah. yeah. The host is, what's his name? You've got to watch the bloopers. Whatever his name is, you watch his bloopers he and they are genius. funny. So who do you reckon? So Joe and I were watching the chase last night and we're trying to guess who the best chasers were. Can oh, you gosh. can you do the best five? No, I don't watch it that much. Oh, come on. You've got the Beast. I don't know either. The Dark Stallion. The Young Girl. The other old lady. And the guy in the white suit. Right. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you guys next week because I know lots of people want to know. John, right. let's wrap it up. You're waffling. Iron Russ. <laughs> <laughs> Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia. Kia.